This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. You already know the drill before we get started. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I post a video. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. And, of course, you can find this episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we are live from Los Angeles, as always. For tonight's game, it's Dime Dropper Fam's favorite night, Lakers Clippers. This was the first game on the Clippers floor this season, and I was not able to attend because I was coaching today. Your boy and his squad beat Sierra Canyon seventh graders with my sixth grade team. Yep, the Sierra Canyon. Thank you very much. Shout out to all my kids, all my boys. They were fantastic. And I almost cost us the game with uh, bad rotations. So I almost pulled a Glenn Rivers, who we'll be talking about later in this episode, by the way. But before we do that, it's time for the main event. Lakers and Clippers. Shout out to everybody in the live tonight. Super Chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar or a dime for your boy. Anything is appreciated. And by the way, that last vlog is doing amazing on the channel. So shout out to everybody that watched it against the Nets. It was my favorite game of the regular season so far. And yeah, so this was my sixth game I missed tonight. Uh, 17 games I've gone to, six I've missed. Our home record, though, man, 6-0 and without me right now. 19-4 and at home this season. What a great home record we have. But let me just say this. I was not happy with the performance tonight. Not at all. No LeBron James in load management. They listed it as an ankle injury, but we know it's load management. We did not play with the attention to detail and effort defensively and nastiness that I wanted to see for a team that's lost two games to these guys. The Lakers, you know, I don't like our matchup with them anymore. This season, I don't like it. All three games have been very frustrating. They have the size now. They've added big forwards that can kind of deter our best players a little bit. And the Clippers... We've gone smaller because of the James Harden trade. We lost Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington. And so before, and the Lakers added size. They added big forwards with Christian Wood, with Rui Hachimura, with Jared Vanderbilt, with AD. Well, they already had AD, but the point, Cam Reddish even. Like, they used to guard Paul George and Kawhi with, like, KCP, Pat Bev, Dennis Schroeder, even Caruso, who's a fantastic defender, but Paul George would just rise up over the top of him. Now... He, they have the size to kind of combat us a little bit better. And I thought that was very evident from the beginning of the game. Now, mind you, if it's a Zubats was our best player in the game, we played against them last time, but he's out. So I was a little bit nervous going into the game. What are we going to do against AD? Are we going to go single coverage on him? Are we going to throw doubles at him? And we waited till the fourth quarter, basically, to double team him every time he touched the ball. It was getting a little ugly. And to start the game, the Lakers went with Rui on Kawhi. Good guy to have on him size-wise. I don't think Kawhi blew by him once, but he was still able to create enough space to score. AD guarding Mason Plumley, Austin Reeves guarding Terrence Mann. I'm sorry, Austin Reeves guarding James Harden. Torian Prince on PG and D'Lo on Austin Reeves. 
As for the Clippers, we had Mason on AD, Kawhi on Rui, but also he split some time on Torian Prince. Then we had Terrence on D'Lo. Uh, I'm sorry, he split some time on Reeves, Kawhi did, but PG guarded him more. I thought PG did a pretty good job defensively, and even though D'Lo had another really solid game until the fourth quarter where he went cold, he had a very solid game. I think Terrence Mann, when he was in, did a good job denying him the ball. The only thing was he could not seem to stay out of foul trouble guarding him, and I thought in the first quarter the Lakers were getting a very generous whistle, as normal, against us. Um, but overall, you know, I think... I don't think the whistle was very good, but that being said, I am watching the game from a Clippers fan's perspective, so if there's some Laker fans that probably think it wasn't great for them. Um, but yeah, the, the free throw disparity definitely backs my point up. They were, we were 9 for 12 from the line. They were 15 for 22 from the line. And you know what? We actually went to the rim a good amount. Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, these guys went, James Harden even, went to the rim a lot, but to no avail at times. However... First quarter, I thought, Jay, well, by, the, by the way, AD was in drop coverage, and I thought that Austin Reeves was doing a pretty decent job in the beginning, first couple of minutes of the game on James Harden being physical. But eventually, James started to get going. I did not like the way he started the game, though. He was trying to get a little too shot happy for me. However, if you listen to my last Locked on Clippers episode, I said they'll probably have Torian guarding Paul George, They'll probably have someone big guarding Kawhi. So James Harden is the favorable matchup. And we were going to that a lot early in the game. And when he was missing shots and he was playing terrible defense, which he did all night except for those two strips he had in the fourth quarter in that same possession, he was bad defensively all night. He got blown by left and right. Uh, he was not good at the point of attack. He had bad closeouts. He was not guarding one-on-one -on -one like he has. Uh, throughout his time at the Clippers so far. This was the James Harden that, you know, when people say he plays terrible defense and no defense at all, that's what it was in this game. But offensively, he started to get going, and they took Reeves off of him at the, as the game went on. You know who got the Clippers going, though? Terrence Mann, the man for the big occasion. Despite LeBron not playing, Lakers-Clippers is always a big occasion, and he showed up. Seven quick points early. He was knocking down the three ball, but we still weren't really creating separation I didn't like our first quarter, but you know who came in and kind of gave us that boost? And they were fantastic all night long. Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook. If you watched the last episode of Basketball and Figueroa, oh my God, I didn't release it. I got to release it. Well, it's coming out tomorrow then. The last episode of Basketball on Figueroa. Um, I just had no time today, man. If you're watching this, Edwin, I'm sorry. But we said that lost my train of thought so hard there geez majorly lost my train of thought there oh we were talking about who's the sixth man of the year for the Clippers and he said Russ I said Norm it's so hard because they both are so effective in their own ways obviously Norman Powell's gotten more minutes and you can say he's more consistent but when Russ has his good games he just affects the game in so many ways that Norm just can't and in the beginning uh at the end of the first quarter when Russ came in he hit that three with his shoe off I mean, the guy, he's such a funny player, Russell Westbrook, in the best way. He just never ceases to amaze in certain ways. And then he goes right at Cam Reddish's chest and knocks him back like five feet and gets the end one and rocks the baby. Clippers ended the first quarter up 35-29. to 29, And I'll tell you, the second quarter was our best quarter of the whole game, even though defensively I didn't like it. I really didn't like our defense at all in this game. 
35 points allowed in the second, but we scored 42, and I thought it was the Harden show. He started to get going. He started to make his threes, his step backs, did some good things in pick and roll, some floaters. So I thought he played really well there in that second quarter. Let me look at his second quarter stats specifically because I might be able to find something good here. James Harden, he had 10 points and 4 assists in the second quarter. He played the entire quarter and was 4 for 5 from the field and 2 for 3 from deep. So very good for him. Norman Powell had 6 points of his own in that quarter. Getting to the basket constantly and had some really nice floaters going to his left throughout the game. And Kawhi Leonard, you know, what? one thing that stood out for me in the first half was we didn't really go to Kawhi and Paul as much, especially Paul. But Kawhi wasn't missing when he got the ball. You know, he was getting into his mid-range. Some possessions throughout the game, I think he just was dribbling too much and taking too long to go. Especially that one possession in the second half where he had Austin Reeves guarding him. And he split two defenders and bailed us out at the end of the shot clock. But that was not a good one-on-one possession for him at all. And he ended up getting the double team. But great ending to the first half. I thought Tice, again, pretty active. But the defense on the interior, Tice and Plumley, they got dominated by AD. And we got crushed on the glass, completely crushed. Vanderbilt was everywhere guarding every single one of our big four. Vando got a taste of guarding in this game. Russ, Harden, PG, Kawhi, and he was doing a good job. PG was pretty quiet uh, throughout the first half. But I thought, actually, you know what? Plumlee, in the first half, he wasn't terrible protecting the rim. But after that, I think he only played like six minutes in the second half. Let's look at what PG's stat line was at halftime because he was pretty quiet. Yeah, three for five, six points. Kawhi Leonard was seven for seven at the half, by the way. So he was hooping. And Terrence Mann was six for seven at the half with 15 points. James Harden had 20 at halftime. So at that point, we went into the half up 77 to 64. You know, what's your name said it? Candace Parker even, or I'm sorry, it was Jay Crossover said it at halftime. He said, we're going to just run away with it. But we didn't. And that's why I'm really disappointed. Even though we won, and I don't blame, I'm sorry, I don't want to nitpick. A win is a win. You got to take whatever's there, whatever win you can get, the ugly ones. I talked about that last game. You got to get the ugly ones. This was ugly as shit. It really was. And in the second in the second half, what really pissed me off was the lack of taking care of the ball. Reckless turnovers, particularly Mr. 13 himself. Not 13 strippers. Number 13, PG-13. And how many times have we said that over his Clipper tenure? And you know, this is why I tell all the fucking geeks, not every stat is created equal. A timely live ball turnover that results in points for the other team is not the same as a three-second violation. It's not. The timeliness of what you do matters in the flow of a game that's very predicated on momentum at every single level, even in pickup to a degree, but especially with a crowd. So to deny, you know, I don't want to hear that, you know, it's just this one turnover. No, it was very bad. There were very bad turnovers. And at one point I checked the stats of the game and we were getting out rebounded 33 to 13 It ended 41, 36. Thank God because the Lakers started cooling down. And the one thing I'll say about the Clippers, we shot really well in this game. 59% from the field, 52% from three, but we just didn't get to the line that much. And part of it was the refs had a fucking purple and gold napkin underneath their, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But they might as well they might as well have been wearing purple and gold for some stretches of this game. Um, but anyway, that doesn't excuse the Clippers' complacency defensively. Also, bad moments of transition defense again. 
Just like against Brooklyn. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. They're lucky the Lakers don't like to push the pace that much and LeBron wasn't playing. You've got to get back and you need to... The effort, it's all effort. I know Zoo's not playing. But you've got to take a little bit more pride defensively. We shot 59% from the field though. 52% from three. 75% from the line. The Lakers shot 49% from the field. 34% from three. And 68% from the line on 15 for 22 shooting. Each team... Turned the ball over 15 times. And the Clippers led by as many as 16 at one point. But let me just say this. We are the number one three-point shooting team in the league right now. So, it's not a crazy outlier shooting night. You know? we That's what we do. And we generated some pretty good looks. But Norman Powell and James Harden, I think they had some really impressive ones. As well as Paul George. But you know what I would be really a bad host of, uh, if I don't mention? Russell Westbrook was really on a heater from three tonight. Like, those were huge shots. I can't emphasize how well Russ played. And the fact is, he's so professional. He only had one stint in the first half. And then in the second half, he could have played more too. I don't even know if he played in the fourth quarter. Let me check. Russell Westbrook, fourth quarter, one minute and 30 seconds. So, like, you look at that, you could have made a strong case that Russ should have played more than 18 minutes tonight. But he continued to stay positive. He continued to be energizer on the bench, rooting for his teammates. But I thought he was great when he was in the game, too. His defense was good. His activity was good. And with the way he was playing defensively, I was a little bit nervous going back to James Harden in the fourth. And I think it was getting nervous. We couldn't rebound. He was guarding Vanderbilt. He couldn't rebound. And let me just say this about the Lakers. Reeves, until the fourth quarter, I thought he was okay. But in the fourth quarter, D'Lo and Austin Reeves combined for one for ten shooting. One for 10. And D'Lo in the third had eight points. Anthony Davis and him combined for 28 points in the third quarter. So they're making me a little nervous. And so was Cam Reddish, who throughout this game was knocking down his shots. He was three for five in the game, two for four from three, and he had nine points in 16 minutes. The one thing I will say that makes me nervous is Paul George coming out of the game. They said that his groin injury that he sustained last month is now being managed. So we'll see what that means. That really means to me that it's lingering. And remember, I am, I've had a groin injury for a couple of months. It really does linger. It's very tricky. Cam Reddish has a groin injury as well. So we got to be careful. But I still think PG was okay tonight. I just didn't like the decision making. I thought his defense was good, but his decision making was very appalling. He had four turnovers, no pun intended, by the way. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block. His efficiency was amazing, though. 8 for 12 from the field and 1 for 2 from 3. That's wild. It has to have been a, had to have been a point of emphasis to not leave Paul George open because this is a guy that's had some games recently where he's shooting 10 plus 3s. He only shot 2 in this game and he made 1 of them, but I'll take the 66% from the field all day long in 30 minutes. We went away from Mason and Tice. We were only up by two points, 108-106, and then we went small for the rest of the game with Kawhi, Paul, James, Norman, Amir. And I was a little bit nervous about this. I was a little bit nervous. But what we did was we double-teamed AD when he got the ball, very similarly to how the Lakers were double-teaming Kawhi when he was getting the ball, and that caused a lot of our open shots and a lot of opportunities for Norman Powell to attack closeouts. But it was starting to work, you know, our – we had a smaller lineup so we can close out quicker. We can rotate quicker. We just have, you know, it's more of a scramble mode kind of defensive strategy. And it ended up paying off. But I also think 
Part of it was Reeves and D'Lo just going cold. And that really hurt the Lakers. But I want to say about Vanderbilt, he really annoyed me in this game. And I'm saying in a good way if you're a Laker fan. He was everywhere. His activity was crazy. His rebounding. Look, I know that uh, defensively, offensively, he's a problem. You know, I wouldn't say a problem, but he's not very good, right? You can leave him open. He doesn't really have any on-ball skills. But I will say this. I think in the dunker spot, he's really good. He's a very good offensive rebounder. And I think that his overall activity, length, athleticism, ability to play on the break, and just his point of attack defense the Lakers are really lacking right now is enough for him to get about 25 to 30 minutes per game. And Darvin Ham, he has a fetish with Torian Prince and to a degree Cam Reddish. And I think Jared Vanderbilt, you know, this is the guy that was a starter on the team that made it to the conference finals last year. He started this season with an injury and he's showing slowly but surely what kind of impact he can have. And, you know, he got 25 minutes in this game. Torian Prince got 33. We look at Torian Prince. He had 11 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks. That's impressive. On four for 10 shooting and two for six from three. So 40% from the field, 33% from three. Go to Vando. He actually shot the exact same from the field. Four for 10, only one three-point attempt, missed it. He was four for four from the line, but he had 12 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three steals, and a block. So very active in his 25 minutes. I think he deserves more minutes. The Lakers outscored the Clippers 33-29 in the third, but I will say that fourth quarter... We were able to get the job done, and I think Amir Coffey made some huge shots. He and Norm played the whole fourth, and I'll tell you what, Supreme Caffeine, he made a big three. Norman Powell had nine points in the fourth. We were just able to scrape on by and get it done, but I think part of it was the Lakers went ice cold in the fourth, and there was a little bit of luck there. Eight for 23 in the fourth quarter. AD only shot one time, and that's because we were throwing frequent doubles at him, so I'll absolutely take it. And the Clippers ended up getting the win, 127 to 116. It wasn't pretty. I did not like our defense. I did not like our lack of, you know, effort on the glass. But also it shows that we may need to go get another big forward. We might need to. Because against a team like that, like right now, I would not want to. I've always not wanted to play the Lakers in the playoffs. But that's because of money, of the, the ticket prices, and the home court advantage or lack of it that the Clippers would have in a series against them. But now you had those things, and the matchup looks worse because we lost front court size to go against LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I would like to avoid the Lakers this year, actually, even though we're a better team than them, for sure. But at the end of the day, you know, LeBron was out. It was just a matter of getting the job done, getting the win. And that's what we did. And we outscored the Lakers in the fourth, 21-19. I think there is a level of we got better defensively. James Harden, for example, you know, he had his only good defensive possession to me. Actually, I think two. He had one good shot contest, but his double strip in that fourth quarter, that just showed, like, it's gone to the point now where I can see when James Harden's trying on Dean when he's not. And I saw in the fourth quarter he tried, but the other three quarters, very concerning. It needs to be a little bit better. Even though, like, you can clearly see we miss Zubats badly, especially considering the way he played against the Lakers last time. But we got to be better. He's going to be out for another three weeks. So, at least. So, we got to step it up. And our, our defense has concerned me just a bit of late. But as long as we get the win, that's fine with me. 127 to 116 is the final from the Staples Center. They are now 6-0 without me in attendance. 19-4 this season at home. 28-14 on the season, which matches the 2014 Clippers record at this time. But that is not the best record we've ever had at this time. That would be 32-10 for the 2013 Clips. Let me just double check on that, though, by the way, because we could have been... 33 and 9 
I don't think we were 33 and 9, though. That sounds like, geez. Let's see. Yep, 32 and 10. We lost to the Warriors on the road on the 21st of January, 2013. So, yeah, 32 and 10. So, we're only two games behind our best ever mark at this stage of the season. So, that's huge. Let's read the lines, though, for the Lakers. They went about nine deep. Max Christie only played 10 minutes, which kind of surprises me. He had a donut, even though he played well against the Clippers last time. 0 for 1. That shot was a 3. Christian Wood, very quiet as well. 14 minutes, 6 points, 7 boards, 3 assists on 2 for 2 shooting. 2 for 5 from the foul line. That maybe could have made a difference late, maybe. 2 for 5 from the foul line, wow. That's disappointing. That's absolutely disappointing. How about... I already talked about Vando. Cam Reddish talked about him, 9 points. So if, here's the thing, though. If you're the Lakers, you get 11 points from Torian, you get 12 points from Vanderbilt, and you get another 9 from Reddish. That's 32 points between those three guys. That's pretty good. And that's part of why this game was close till the end. Rui, 11 points on an efficient 5-for-8 shooting, 1-for-1 one one from 3 in 30 minutes. I thought he did a decent job on Kawhi. Austin Reeves, though, not great. 12 points, 2 rebounds, 5 assists, getting attacked on D as well. Two steals. One block, wow. Three turnovers, though. Five for 14 from the field. Two for eight from three. So, again, I was okay with Austin Reeves shooting threes, no problem. And then you have D'Angelo Russell. 27 points, five rebounds, 10 assists, but he did have five turnovers. Nine for 21 from the field, four for 10 from three, and five for six on the foul line. He didn't have a good fourth quarter, but let me tell you, I think he's playing really solid basketball lately. He really has. And he's starting to find the best version of himself, which is key for the Lakers to get the best versions of themselves. 40 minutes for D'Lo. He played more minutes than anyone for either side. And he was good. Anthony Davis, 26 points, 12 rebounds. By the way, the Lakers had 13 offensive rebounds, so the Clippers, 6. And you could feel it. 26 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. No blocks, though, for AD, which is very rare. He shot 60% from the field, though. 12 for 20. 0 for 1 from 3 and only 2 free throw attempts. Which, that's great. You kept him off the line. 36 minutes played for him. And the Lakers lose it. They're now 22-23 and 23 on the season. 6-15 and 15 on the road. Got to start racking up some wins soon, man. It's getting dicey. Clippers. Nine deep. The player that played the least. Russell Gobrook. Sadly. But what a performance in those minutes. Listen to this for production. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. He did turn the ball over 3 times, which you need to keep that down. 6 for 11 from the field. Another amazingly efficient game. And here's my favorite one of the night. 3 for 3 from deep, baby. In 18 minutes, what a performance by Russ. And it was a good thing to see him not going too hard against the Lakers. Because last time he was just kind of out of control trying to prove a point. But I thought he was a little more focused. And even though he did have the three turnovers, taking smarter shots. Mason Plumlee played 19 minutes. He had a donut, two rebounds, two assists. I thought he had some good moments of rim protection, but overall pretty quiet. 0 for 1. And then Daniel Tice, three points, two rebounds, two assists, and a steal on one for three shooting. He had five fouls, so he only played 21 minutes. Then you had the broom out. Actually, Terrence Mann only played 23 minutes, but he was so good. He's been playing really well lately. 17 points in the new year. 17 points, 7 for 10 from the field, and 2 for 4 from 3. He was 1 for 2 from the line, 1 steal, 
but 70% from the field and 50 from three. Right now, Terrence Mann going into this game was shooting. It's You can round up to 30% from three now. 29.6. Oh, baby. We're about to reach the 30s, and we're going to keep going up. I trust you, Terrence. I've always believed. The man for the big occasion. I love you. What a performance from T. 17 points. 70% from the field. 50 from three. And then you had Amir Coffey. Nine points on three for four shooting. And listen, Russell Westbrook wasn't the only one that was three for three from deep. How about the Brewmaster? Three for three from deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge performance by Brew. He was a plus nine as well. And then you have Norman Pow Pow Powell. The UCLA man. Big time performance. So efficient. 17 points, five rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Attacking closeouts, hitting those runners. He didn't have any free throws. Wild. Eight for 14 from the field. And he wasn't actually shooting well from three. One for four. But seven for 10 from two. He'll take that all day long. And to have 33 points from Russ and Norm combined, such a luxury. And then you've got uh, Paul, Kawhi, and Harden. Paul played 30 minutes. I already said 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, and a block. Shot really well. James Harden, 23 points, two rebounds, 10 assists. You'll take that. And only one turnover. One steal, one block. So 10 to one assist to turnover ratio. That's big time. And then efficient as well. Eight for 17 from the field. Four for eight from three. So 50% from three. Three for five from the line. He was doing a little bit too much foul baiting for me and not getting back in the first half. Paul George one time did the same. I was pissed. And then, oh, another thing Paul George's stupid ass did. Sorry, Paul. I love you. He didn't shoot at the end of the first, I think it was the end of the second quarter because he wanted to preserve his field goal percentage and he nearly threw the ball away. That's one of my huge pet peeves of today's NBA, you fucking stat lovers. Stop trying to save your three-point percentage. Take the shot at the end of the quarter. There's Nobody gives a shit about your stats. I guess you do. And the, the analytics department and the stats team and your team. Who cares? You go from having a 5% chance of getting three points to zero by not shooting that shot. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But Kawhi Leonard was my player of the game. His second career. Second career triple-double. It didn't really feel like he had 10 assists. I'm not going to lie. But I'll take it. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals and a block. His efficiency was just crazy tonight. Just crazy, but it's typical of the claw. 11 for 16 from the field. I know the LeBron fanboys and Lakers fans are going to say it's because LeBron wasn't there. And LeBron did a good job on him. Okay. It's not like Kawhi hasn't given the Lakers business with LeBron. But regardless, we'll take it. I don't give a shit about those arguments. 11 for 16 from the field. Only one three-point attempt. So I think it was clearly an emphasis for the Lakers to run us off the line because we're shooting the best from three of any team in the league. But we were able to combat that with mid-range shots, floaters, and good stuff overall. Three for three from the line for Kawhi. But the 11 for 16, that's really big time. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. We'll take the win. 127 to 116 over the Lakers. And now I'm going to be talking about the huge news that came out today in terms of a coaching change. You know, one thing I want to do say, though, is Daniel Tice, when he was at the five, Lakers were switching that because they know he won't post up. And that was starting to cause a little bit more stagnant offense. But we were putting Reeves and D'Lo in the action and getting double teams on Kawhi. So that was able to get us to unlock things. But yeah, now to Glenn Rivers. So I was shocked this morning when I saw that Adrian Griffin had been fired. Had been fired. And he's 30 and 13 this season as a coach. Now, 
Do the Bucks look like a championship team this season? Probably not. They look a little bit under that. But I don't think that has to do with a rookie coach. Is he perfect? Nah, he probably isn't perfect. He probably isn't. But he's 30 and 13. He's a rookie head coach. And like people are like, well, their defense got worse. You traded Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen for Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard. And you think that you are going to get better at defense or stay the same? Hell no. That's not the coach's fault. So clearly, clearly, there is something that happened behind the scenes. There's no other explanation. Like they had to have lost faith in him. Giannis or Dame, somebody with power had to have lost faith in him. To make a change in the middle of the season when you're 30 and 13. But who they chose to replace him. Oh, man. Just when you thought he'd listen to me. Get in the broadcast booth and stay there, brother. Stay there. You know, here's the thing about Glenn. He's probably a good guy. I've heard good things about him as a person from multiple people. He is an NBA player, so I have respect for that and the career that he had. And he has won a championship as a coach. Maybe I've been harsh on him over the years. But you know what? It's deserved. He is the most overrated coach in the history of this association. And the reason why I say that, even though everyone's woke to it now, is he made the top 15 over Bill Sharman, over Alex Hannum, over Rudy Tomjanovich. He, you know what? Nobody has ever benefited so much from one ring that's not a, ba- not a player that earned that ring. Nobody has ever benefited from one ring so much. How does he keep landing these amazing jobs? He gets the best jobs. He got the Clippers, obviously, and then, then he showed everybody he was ass. And then he joins, he gets a job with the Sixers, perfect timing, you know, with Embiid, with Harden, or they didn't have Harden at first when he first took over. No, yeah, with Embiid, right? And then he gets the uh, Bucks job now with a championship contention. Now, here's the thing, though. He's taking over midseason, and that's not normal for Glenn to take over midseason. So it's going to be an adjustment. But let me just tell you this. The Bucks lost any chance they had of winning the championship with this hire. You're listening to who you're listening to. We could go the logic. Oh, but Giannis is a, you know, he's a champion. You know, he's a dog. You don't have to worry about Glenn and this and that. No, 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 no. I am not going to waver with my stance from four years ago. He's never winning a championship again. He's never touching the finals again. And without Tom Thibodeau, he would have never made the finals in the first place. He is whack. He's not good. The, the Bucks are making a huge mistake. Huge. You do not hire him. You don't hire him. We've got to make shots. She's got to make shots. He takes no accountability for anything. His adjustments are non-existent. He had guys showing him lineup data in the bubble saying, look, Montrez against Jokic doesn't work. And he, he said, throw that data in the trash. Okay, I'm okay with you having an eye test. But if your eye test can't tell you that we were getting destroyed when Zubats was off the floor and we needed a big, you signed Joakim Noah for what? And that was a series you could have used him. He's an idiot as a basketball coach. He's an idiot. I think he is, like, the Bucks just made their own beds now. Like, lay in it now and you're done. There's no championship coming there. Celtics and the Heat and the Sixers, a three-horse race. So, Glenn Rivers, 
I wish you nothing but the worst as a coach. And I get, hopefully you're back in the broadcast booth very soon, but not as the number one. So what's going to happen with that? Why do we let go of Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson? Why? Why do we do that? You know, they weren't perfect, but they had this amazing chemistry at this point that they had built. And it became kind of nostalgic to a degree with Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gunny, Mark Jackson. Now it's like, what, is Doris going to carry the whole broadcast with Mike Breen for the finals? I like Doris, but hell nah. Anyway. All right, guys, that's it for me tonight. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar or a dime. Peace, and have a great night.